0: gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we're talking sleepwalkers as a Patreon bonus on Kill by Kill. Well, how you doing, folks? It's your pal, Patrick Hamilton, and I'm coming to you from some town in Indiana that I don't even know they actually gave us the name of. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, and uh, for our uh, beautiful uh, Patreon supporters, we always cover uh, a movie that uh, Gina and I decide we actually like, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's new or old, or we're trying something. Now we always uh, it just kind of comes to us in the moment, and somehow in the middle of a Twitter conversation, we just uh, Gina Radcliffe, uh, why do we like Sleepwalkers?
1: <laughs> well, it, it's you know I think it's it's like it's like cat people except not as sexy and kind of stupid. Yes. But, but the reason why I admire it though, because it's its own special kind of stupid. <laughs> I, I, I didn't take a lot of notes for this. I, as I said, before we started recording, I had put this on and watched it while I was wrapping Christmas presents. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I did make a couple notes here and there. Like I think that every decision made in this movie was basically met with a hearty <laughs> sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, you know, and then we're gonna do this, and and the cats somehow are, are gonna be able to set them on fire, and and we're gonna have them, you know, all the cops are really stupid, and she's gonna knock their heads together like a three stooges sketch, and it's gonna be, you know, we're we're gonna sometimes it's gonna be kind of scary, and then it's gonna be kind of funny, and then it's going to be kind of creepy and then it's not going to be creepy it's just everything you know we're just going to try everything yeah sure steve okay this is great i love it
0: (laughs) yes uh this is kind of a an unfiltered stephen king in a way because he's he he is directly writing this screenplay
1: yeah this is not based on a story uh this is just something he came up off the top of his little head yeah, That that, this that is got a into his cocaine Stephen King. Yeah, this idea. is this is this is clean. This is clean king, believe yeah. it or not. Um, but yeah, it incorporates uh some of his favorite things, um, dumb cops, yes, cats, mm-hmm. uh, cool cars, yeah, and and characters singing inexplicable little folk songs. Oh my god. What is
0: the point of this? <laughs> I this is somehow went into a memory hole for me. And then when that deputy begins to sing the song about a guy with a pecker in his hand and one ball and he's going (laughs) to a rodeo. I'm like, well, he sounds like he really knows this song as if we all do. how has Clovis the cat not killed himself at this point? If he's heard this song this many times.
1: (laughs) So yeah, his, his, the the cop has a, his ride along partner is a cat. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. Well, it's an old trope. I mean, if I had a dime for every time I saw a cop who had a cat as his co-pilot in his police car, I would have a dime. And it would be called Sleepwalker's Dime. <laughs> I mean, it is such a thinly veiled attempt to have one police officer to trust. The only police officer worth their salt in this entire thing is covered in fur and has four paws, and is not a guy in a cat suit who's going to a hotel to fuck other people. It's a it's a real cat.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, like I said, it's it, you know, This movie is is definitely dedicated to a a thing. I don't know what that thing is, but I, but I like it, and and, yeah. and I think it's 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 charming in its incompetence. Um,
0: yeah, it is a a delicate balance between a couple different things there are deep and interesting ideas buried in this movie that I think it honestly tries to reach out and unwrap to a degree. And then there is Stephen King's, you know, sort of fifties and sixties drive in horror movie aesthetic, which you're getting full bore here. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a teenage werewolf. This is a, Terror of the Unknown. It is very much a teenager encounters something supernatural. The police don't believe them. Sort of 50 60 setup. And it's one of the last times we see that. Before the generational shift begins to happen. And the 90s really turn towards a different kind of horror movie. This is the last gasp of this. It's all practical effects. It's all... You know, animated laser beams coming out of people's mouths.
1: <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're, the, the creatures in this are, they're kind of like vampires, but, but they don't drink blood. They, 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 they take energy and yet they also still need it from virgins, yeah. which, which, that I'm not, I'm, I remain unclear on that. Yeah, I, 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 I also, so here's, here's among the list of sure, Steve, why the fuck not <laughs> is you have, um, This mother and son, or or as you pointed out, they're not necessarily biologically mother and son, just kind of living as mother and son. Although they do, she does refer to him as her son.
0: Yes, but I also wonder if that isn't a construct because they're creatures who, because she has, she cannot go out and get the thing that she has to be nourished by. She has to have some sort of servant.
1: This is, yeah, this is what, this is where I I was like a little, huh, about is, is. She is, you know, a woman in her 30s, I guess, and has a teenage son. Mm-hmm. And his job is to go out and find these virgins that they have to sap away their life force right. from. Mm-hmm. I I don't, is it ever explained why she can't just do this herself?
0: I don't think it is explained. It's just their symbiotic relationship. However, the myth, you know, whether it's mythology or biology or whatever it is. He has to collect it. He's the the vessel which collects. And she is the vessel that gets fed. And that is the symbiotic relationship. So I think it's easier for people to understand them as a mother and a son. And they've been doing this for so long that they've kind of taken on those roles where they refer to each other as that. Like, this is so practiced. Because as far as we can tell... They may have been doing this for centuries, so
1: well. Yeah, there's some kind of you know vague you illusions know, them being like you know, some sort of Egyptian creatures, and of course you know the the image they take are about the whitest people imaginable. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, there's a, my favorite kind of backstory. I recently referred to as oil painting. I may revise that to textbook illustration. I love backstory. The illustration
1: i love backstory given by a school book report (laughs) (laughs) who
0: in the in their right mind who has to keep up the cover of them being a supernatural being says you know how i intro this i go into this english class and i basically tell everyone the supernatural creature i am <laughs> like oh
1: that's well here's the thing it, it is considering that stephen king wrote this and and stephen king i i, I love him but he's not a perfect writer no, but no. but one thing he does well generally is is creating interesting characters and it's kind of shocking how badly written this character charles brady is it's like i i want to see the notes because he had not a single clue what he wanted to do with this character. You know, no. at first he, he, he's supposed to, he kind of comes off initially as a little bit of a conflicted villain where, where, you know, yeah, he, he, you know, is in this weird kind of psychosexual relationship with his mother, but he also meets this girl that he's supposed to, you know, you most, just pretty much just hook up with her for the express purpose of sapping her life force and passing it back on to mom but you know he kind of likes her and he kind of has feelings for her and he kind of feels a little bad about doing this and then he's getting into he's giving a finger to cops and almost running over little kids in the street and it's like yeah. okay steve is this counter supposed to be a bad guy or kind of a little less bad guy
0: I, I wonder if it's like, a it, because this is all unsaid. <laughs> things just happen in this movie. It's a movie where things happen. It's not very plot driven. It takes place over the course of maybe two days outside of the cold open. And he's either so sick of this relationship that this, what is supposed to be his prey, be, he begins to think, Maybe this is a way out for me. Maybe I maybe the human side of me should be a part of this. There are no more quote-unquote sleepwalkers. I could live a normal life. And then when the animal nature, when his supernatural powers come out, he goes into full Freddy Krueger mode.
1: Yeah, I was going to say his supernatural powers are speaking of a lot of really awful wisecracks.
0: And that is, I think, the worst
1: part about it <laughs> are the shtick
0: parts. The... Rejoinders that seem yeah, he,
1: it's not scary. It's no. not scary. He, he's when he's attacking her in the graveyard, it's so like you know weirdly violent, and yet he's all like you know, oh, I'm sorry, I lied. It's supposed to hurt, and it's just like, oh, shut up.
0: And but that's the crazy thing. Like up until that point, you, it is a genuine push and pull. Like I like that uh, magic dynamic, and, Amy, and I, I will keep my my thirsty. Part of this, of this <laughs> podcast because I'm not on Maine, so I can be thirsty. Um uh, her character isn't initially really drawn as this um, you know, shy virgin, right? She's more of a virgin by choice. She hasn't found anyone she's connected with. And if she's gonna get it on, she would like to connect with that person. She states this out loud. It is a layered version of that virginal trope
1: yeah she's she's actually a pretty decent character Yeah, She's, she's, she's a decent as far as final girls go she's not bad
0: no it's just that once again we're coming up in up to a movie that has two modes and those modes don't always mesh together i have to feel like people at columbia you know when this was made saw the initial version of it because a lot of those rejoinders are tight close-ups or uh, ADR. Yeah.
1: Characters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it, it sometimes doesn't even sound like the actual actor's voice. It was I really wa- weird. I wonder
0: if they added them after the fact, like, well, kids like Freddy Krueger movies and Freddy Krueger is funny. It undercuts the horror of it. That's what's popular. So that's what you need to do. And I don't know that it helps this story. I think they actually had a stronger story instead of characters outside of uh, Charles um, than they gave themselves credit for. It's the part of the movie I don't like, but there is a lot of things that are even goofy. I still genuinely like about it. There is a charm to its 50 sixties throwback nature. I like her as a character despite her very hungry need to eat her bottom lip. I'm surprised it survived.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're pointing out the whole 50s and 60s aesthetic thing. That's, that's uh, that's That's very good because, like, the only music that's played in this is, like, 50s and 60s music. Like, the reason why, actually, I think the reason why we brought this up is I had posted... Somewhere that any movie—it was actually inspired by *The Irishman*. That yeah. any movie that plays the song *Sleepwalk* is an automatic three-star movie for me. <laughs> it's and, a good song, and 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 I had mentioned, yes, even *Sleepwalkers*. This is non-negotiable because I knew I knew that if I did not, someone would say, well, "Even *Sleepwalkers*." Yeah, even *Sleepwalkers*. <laughs> because it's a very—it's a very atmospheric song. It's a little spooky. Um, yeah. you know I think in better movies it could be used to you know an even more chilling effect um but yeah I, I think that's so yeah you, you've got a you know that's an excellent you know point that he, he's very much a, a a it's very much a love letter to movies from King's own teenage years
0: yeah and I feel like it's it's just a little out of step for when it should have been made like if this had come out in 88. I think it probably would have done much better because it fe- it does have that when boomers ruled sort of cultural aesthetic to it. Um, working in a movie theater. And I mean, I've never seen a dance sequence and someone in low heels go on for three minutes to a song she has no business dancing to. I love that song as I do. It's, it's It just feels all of it to be... What we would think to be uh, terminal uh, nostalgia—the poison of nostalgia—as everyone is. Uh, well, so I think it was also. It I, I think it
1: was it. also an easy way to 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 do the whole. She's not like all the other girls. Uh.
0: She's
1: she's a she's a quirky girl who who takes pictures yeah. and listens to old music.
0: Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Is there a point to her having Ferris
0: Bueller's parents?
1: <laughs> is there a point to a lot of the, the weird casting at this? Were they a package deal at some point? Is, is, there, the is there agent? a point to Otho from Beetlejuice playing their teacher? <laughs> oh,
0: oh man. Listen, Otho, Glenn Shaddix, who I, I think he's a weapon very, when he's used well, he's used very well. And here he's playing sinister queer. Is that what... This yeah, I, I
1: forgot that. And I was like, oh, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Steve does not write gay characters well. Yeah. I, I, I direct you to um, the opening of It, uh, which, despite it being a very dramatic scene... Uh, it is a little bit hindered by the fact that the surviving half of the couple who experienced a horrific gay bashing is described in the book as wearing satin pants and sparkly eyeshadow. Yeah. God bless. Uh, I don't think at that point Stephen King had ever met an openly gay person, it's like
0: something he had seen on PBS. <laughs> <laughs> like I see, I, I saw a documentary. Like, I, I, I don't
1: know. think, I don't think he. I genuinely don't think he he mean, meant to be. I think he's he's kind of gotten a little better now. I mean, he has a daughter who, who's openly gay, but but yeah. but you know, 80s Stephen King, early 90s. I don't think he really genuinely had much of a knowledge of them. So of course you're going to have the you know the predatory gay teacher, and it's just like oh god just cringe it's it's so cringy it's so it it just
0: it's enough that he's like it really honestly is enough for for lunch addicts to just go hey you're a fake and i'm gonna turn you in like i don't like you i don't like your presence i don't like you making fun of a box with six sides (laughs) like showing me up in class it's enough you don't have to add gay panic to it it's a real weird look that uh, it's one of those that that does not jibe. <laughs>
1: yeah, if, 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 us or if, anyone. if i went back and wrote sleepwalkers at, at age 20 and what an amazing thing remarkable achievement that would have been uh-huh. um i mean i would have just had him to change when he shut his hand in the door just you know do a hulk thing like 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 you know the old tv series where he would just get you know mildly injured and that would Immediately turn him into the Hulk. Yeah. Just that
0: he's cornered by someone who kind of has power over him and he panics. And the car door gets shut on him and he's like, oh, you fucking dead now. You don't have to add the other part to it. It doesn't add up to anything. It doesn't contribute. Not that I, I can't imagine any scenario which it would contribute.
1: So why? Why is it there?
0: Why? 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 uh what are you gonna do But we also um,
1: we also have for stunt casting like Stephen king and all of his friends basically oh, and also cameo tastic and also uh mick garris's wife for some reason is is in it um i think she's in all of mick's movies. oh is that's she a, oh, oh is she is she his uh is she do? his um uh what the hell's her name? sherry sherry moon zombie yes
0: <laughs> exactly yeah, you have um, got like the- you, you
1: got like one scene where you got Toby Hooper, Clive Barker. I think John Landis shows up in one scene. Joe Dante and of course Stephen King himself, whose cameo is actually pretty funny. I I I did enjoy his, his cameo. Yeah, I I
0: have a I, I have a, I have a
1: I have a great I have a, a deep affection for Stephen King's cameo appearances. <laughs> He, he's not afraid. He's not afraid to just make himself look incredibly stupid.
0: No, he never casts himself as uh, smart or good looking <laughs> no. or like it, it's just he. I mean, not th- nothing
1: look. will nothing will ever beat his cameo in, in in Maximum Overdrive, of course. But this one was this one was pretty good. did <laughs> he just call me an asshole? Hey, honey britches! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. We'll get to that one eventually. <laughs>
0: yeah, one of these days. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, shout out the Arrow Theater, uh, a local Los Angeles uh, institution here that gets to be shot. And it looks gorgeous in this. They must have just painted it. Um, it looks much less sleazy here in this movie than it did in 10 to Midnight, in which you can, it almost... Feels like there's oil coming off the projector.
1: <laughs> everything, really everything—it's head, it looks scummy. It looks it, like it, it looks like, it was, it looks like it was filmed inside a deep fryer. Oh, oh man,
0: Wait, we gotta put a pin in Tendermint.
1: I was gonna because say we're I, gonna get to that, but 22. we are gonna get to that. because in the in the
0: tribute of like, uh I think there's a subgenre that we need to explore, and that is cop supernatural procedurals. <laughs> because if we're if we're gonna cover cobra which crosses over into horror then you have to put the first power in there and you have to put 10 to midnight in there i like it (laughs) i'm just saying that might end that might end up here that might end up on main i'm just saying if you have access to those movies you may want to check them out because uh, i re-watched the first power recently and i'm like Oh, wow. This movie is something.
1: Yeah, and, and 10 to Midnight it is without a doubt the sleaziest movie you'll ever watch in your entire I mean, life.
0: The image alone of Charles Bronson handling a blowjob machine <laughs> and dildos. Just <laughs> as if they were alien artifacts. And he's only like, what do I do with this? What's <laughs> happening here? <laughs> this goes in there. It's uh, hmm. I feel like, dude, like people have sex; they're all squinty-eyed goofballs.
1: There's just like a like you'll watch it, and there'll be like just a film over your eyeballs when <laughs> you
0: yeah, yeah, man, it is. It, it's gross on purpose. But what more could we possibly expect from the director of Happy Birthday to Me?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, back to Sleepwalkers. <laughs> um, can we talk about Happy Birthday to Me for a while? <laughs> <laughs> There's, I think we could do like another get another like two episodes out of that at least. <laughs> yeah, maybe we
0: revisit it one time. I don't know. It's a it's a goodie. Um, yeah, I. There is something to uh, the setup of this movie with the the paradigm between the two of them of power. Right, it comes down to. She commands him to do these things. He is forced to do these things. Now, here's a young girl who wants to feel her own level of power. And to do that, she is connected with this boy. And she's like, you know what? I want to have sex. I want to fall in love. I want to connect with a guy who I think is cute. And I'm going to take control of that. And that right there in a novel like the sex, still would have been goofy, but I think that King would have made a lot more hay out of that dynamic. That sounds very Stephen King to me. Yeah, no, in, I
1: I agree with I agree with that. Yeah.
0: In movie form, it begins to be a little pet. Now that being said, this movie also ha- I I did not take a lot of notes because a lot of time was spent just watching it and laughing. La- laughing good laughs laughing at the outrageous nature of some of the dumbest fucking characters on earth getting stabbed in the back with a corn cob
1: there's some good there's some decent kills in this uh yeah you know, she's a. for some reason she is a a no well, not entirely a mortal mostly immortal you kind of kind of uh invincible super hard to kill Yeah, Uh, she's a... What are they? Because it's it's very strange that they are deeply frightened of cats, and apparently cats can hurt them. It might be the only thing that can hurt them. But they sort of turn into cat-like creatures themselves.
0: Yeah, it's like if vampires were part garlic. (laughs)
1: Exactly, they're just sort of like when they go into full transformation, they kind of look like vaguely like uh, uh, Anubis statues. Yeah, and and I'm like, okay, then you then you know you should be like a cat god. Why why are cats afraid of you? And 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 you know, not going into it, it leads to some good images, like you know the the cats all over the house. Oh, and I should probably point out this is a, a genuine warning. Um, there's a lot of dead cats and murdered cats in this. It's yeah. it's it's pretty this is like our second movie in a row where where we're dealing with like just animal corpses everywhere. Yeah, yeah. We get into the weird
0: themes that, that we don't even anticipate.
1: Yeah. Think- so yeah, there's some there's some pretty if you are, you know, and I'm not saying I enjoy animal deaths, but I know that some people are No, are- I, I think it's we should put that
0: out there. Gina Radcliffe enjoys <laughs> animal deaths. It's very apparent in the movies, you and you alone pick. Yes.
1: And, and, and also, people falling downstairs in wheelchairs. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's a good one to punch. And if I think if you put that in your resume or your Twitter bio, I think it'll go over huge.
1: But yes, content warning there's a lot of dead cats in this movie.
0: There's a ton of dead cats. Although, unlike uh, Fear No Evil, I don't believe any of those dead cats are real. Yeah. They look pretty, puppets.
1: once they're actually dead, they look pretty fake.
0: The cat puppet work here is stellar. Once a cat jumps on a person, it instantly becomes a Muppet. And you can really tell, like, there is Ratso Rizzo level puppetry work going on with these cats. And I am just guffying in joy. Once it becomes wackadoo and bonkers, it has a momentum to it that just makes me want to watch along. Does that make it a great movie? No, it makes it a fun movie. It's a fun movie to watch with others. It's just, I remember when I watched it with Becky, she's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, I don't know. It's Sleepwalkers. That's what the fuck's going on.
1: Exactly. You either either go with it or get out of the way. (laughs)
0: Like it is what it is. Because
1: you might get your life force sucked out of you, if not, or (laughs) get stabbed in the ear of the pencil.
0: Yeah. Those are your choices.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We don't. I don't think we we continue the entire roster of weird, random casting in this. Uh, We also have Ron Perlman as a really stupid cop.
0: Oh my God, what is up with his? Is, are those his natural teeth? Has he always had such ginormous choppers?
1: Well, I mean, I, I assume that's why he eventually grew a mustache <laughs> to compensate for the teeth.
0: I can see that. I mean, that man has about $25 worth of teeth in a $20 mouth. And it's, I mean, it, they're just that much more. It's not, it's not outrageous, but you're also wondering how does a human being have a mouth and teeth like that?
1: We also have um, Mark Hamill, who is at the beginning of the movie i never seen again.
0: No, but you know what? Man, he looks like he's in the middle of a Top Gun sequel. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at him like, why the fuck wasn't he casting more things? I mean, I was thinking about this on my drive to do a million different uh, assignments today. Why, you know, he could have been just a pretty face, right, or just a lucky blonde who was in a giant movie. And he can't when you actually, when he is given a chance to actually act, he's a very good fucking actor. I just wish he would get the chance to be an actor not just mark hamill guy who was in star wars
1: yeah which is which is you know pretty much what he is here there's a lot of yeah. hey isn't that in 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 the casting in this and you know that's fine that was you know a thing in the howling and 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 that was funny there was a lot of you know cameos from you know hey isn't that in that yeah. and we, but also the howling did a much better job than sleepwalkers as of, of maintaining a tone and yeah. that tone was dark comedy
0: yeah. This, yeah this does
1: not do dark comedy very well
0: i think it is a victim of the times i mean we've seen this erupt in the nightmare and elm street series and other films that are sort of competing against it like it took over the cultural conversation of what a horror movie is and then everyone sort of Nudges in the direction of maybe having a Freddy Krueger, and a couple of people catch the edges of it. Certainly, the Child's Play series figured out a way to work with that dynamic in a completely different direction, but there are very few that are able to maintain, you know, even attempt to get to the cult of personality that Freddy Krueger was. And here, you barely know these characters. And when they go from, oh, I should be scared of them, to, oh, they've got Arnold Schwarzenegger rejoinders after they killed people. It's kind of like, I don't... Do you know what you're doing? Because I don't know what you're doing right now.
1: Right, and if they had shown you know, earlier in the movie a, a, a you know, penchant for wisecracking, it, it, it would have made more sense. But this this character, Charles, he he just goes through like this, you know, abrupt, you know, 180 character change. You know, he just kind of, now, now to be fair, you know, he's, you're putting on a little bit of the nice guy act for uh, Tanya. That's, that's the girl's name, right? Yes. But at the same time, like when, when he brings Tanya back to his house to meet his mother, there's a lot of his reaction shots to, to how, the 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 mother is responding to her and i mean correct me if i'm wrong i got the impression that he was having second thoughts about doing this
0: well there's this sequence in which he sees that her true self is reflected in the mirror as opposed to a vampire who disappears when you see a sleepwalker in a mirror or some sort of reflective device like a camera their truth self is revealed and he's like oh oh I gotta get her out of the house, and it's kind of like, well, I don't care if she sees that. that right. I mean, why does she have monster? to? Yeah, that's
1: another thing. That thing. That doesn't. Doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't it be easier to do this if she's right there? Can't, like club <laughs> her on the, the back of the head and suck out her soul. Okay. Ooh, you, why is it, you, it? Why is it? You know, a matter of grave importance that this happens somewhere else, and that he he takes her essence and you know carries around some sort of internal thermos. <laughs> And then they go home and fuck because apparently that's how you transfer this this life force over.
0: That's how everyone transfers their life force, Gina. When um a, a, a man who's a son and a woman who's a mother love one another very much, they transfer life forces that they gain from virgins.
1: I see. I missed yeah. that talk.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad we can have it now. That way you won't be embarrassed when you go off to college. <laughs>
1: Like, like I said, there, I think there's a lot of concepts here that, that weren't entirely thought through.
0: No, no. Um, there, it's, it, it, but that's not to say that the contents of, of the stew don't come together in something that's entertaining. It's just the more you think about it, there are either elements that feel like they could be much deeper and have more meaning, but do not. Or elements that seem undercooked and raw, like they were simply inserted because someone said you have to have jokes after someone dies to alleviate the, you know, abject terror of seeing someone's face become a rubber cat. <laughs>
1: it's like, you know, you're not really selling this, you know, you're when you're when you're, you're turning it into something. Oh, OK, we're supposed to be laughing in this scene. You know that that's it's like you don't have faith in your own story.
0: No, I I do wonder if they did have faith in that, or that it was just going to be such a good time that people would be okay with it, not being what they wanted it to be, and yeah, I here's where we get into odd territory because I don't want to call people out by name and say your art is bad because that's not really true. I enjoyed the this movie, but I will say, I think Mick Garris might be a better marketing and interviewer person than a director for me, for me. Yeah, personally. no,
1: I, 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 agree with you. I, 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 off the top of my head I all I know from him is this and the TV version of the stand yeah. which is n- not great <laughs> um, yeah. it, it's it has, you know it has moments it, it are- has moments of great potential the 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 moments that come directly from the book are the best parts like like there are certain scenes where it felt like he directed it with the book open like yeah. there's a there's a key moment in which one of the characters is escaping New York City through the, the uh, I believe it was the Holland Tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a, a terrifying sequence in the book and pretty effective in 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 the, the TV movie. I, I look forward to how it's going to look. Uh, I think uh, is it CBS All Access is going? Yes, is they're too? going to do a minute. Yeah, I, I am cautiously optimistic about how that's going to turn, I'd rather see it as an HBO or FX level miniseries because I, I worry about budgeting constraints and and uh, you know restrictions for uh, for content. But you know we'll we'll you know cross that bridge when we get to it. But I mean, is well, the Brothers
0: had their chains and they fucking fumbled that ball. So
1: yeah, so you know I I he's a very workman like director. I I there's no sort of unlike a lot of horror directors there's no personal touch he's just very okay i've got the script i'm gonna shoot this scene
0: yeah i i I agree with that i mean there's a reason why all these other directors and horror emissaries are in this movie and it's because they're his friends right they're the masters of horror and mick garris is the guy who says let's all he may he makes the reservation at the restaurant (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i mean they're it, they're hanging out with their pal with their pal mick you know i yeah. mean
0: and i i also feel like stephen king respects him because mick garris goes what you have written is really good and i think there were a lot of people who picked up stephen king's books who were making movies and said i like this idea the rest of this is trash and is irredeemable
1: oh you know, yeah i i don't think that he changed a single thing in that script no. I, I think that, that uh, for all I know, King might have personally selected. I, I, I know that he did for The Stand. So yeah. clearly he was happy with how this turned out, which which is fascinating. <laughs> well, but, <laughs> but I think
0: it's because King has a very populist view of what good is. And it, Sleepwalker's aim is to be this wacky time at the movies where you just don't know what's going to happen next. And oh my God, she's a cat person. And oh, this is kind of creepy. Now this is just wacky. Now that's gonzo. And he likes that. He likes that. He wants to view a movie to a certain degree or television show when he had that EW column where he would just give 10 things that he liked. He has a very populist view, and in his mind, this is as good as anything else. He doesn't, I don't think, differentiate between high low culture. He just likes culture,
1: which is interesting because if you read, and I and I'm pretty sure you have uh, Don's Macab, yeah. he has a, a now. Granted, this was 1980, 1981. So you're talking Stephen King in his 30s. And he has an entire chapter on how much he hates television, yeah. just absolutely. I mean, it was kind of painfully pretentious. Time, well, yeah, it was. To be good. fair, it was it was garbage. Yeah. And then, like you know, barely a decade later, you know, all of a sudden it was like the best thing. He was constantly writing about this show and that show, and and now he's like a, a comfortable boomer talking about how much he enjoys like you know you uh, Chicago PD and shows like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, basically shows, you know, everybody, everybody our age's parents watch. Yeah. But I really do think that the one of the reasons he did not like The Shining as far as a, a film adaptation is it had nothing that he liked in horror movies in it. You know, yeah. it, it didn't have a, 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 you know, a cool soundtrack. It didn't have neat cars. You know, the there was no like, you know. The real monster on the screen. I mean, like he, I, I really do think the reason why he liked the TV version better, just God help us all, <laughs> is because it fit more with his vision. Is it, it wasn't? It didn't. You know how that vision looked wasn't great but okay this had everything this had the the, the topiary monsters coming to life this had everything you know th- this turned this was my fun house vision of what this uh, of what this hotel looked like whereas with Stanley Kubrick's version it was very sterile it wasn't like it was it, it was not even a very traditional horror movie you know a lot of it was you know, in the viewer's mind and not really you know, it was more suggested than actually seen yeah. you know and I think that he I think that's just not his bag as far as horror is concerned
0: yeah So that brings another Stephen King connection that I would like to explore ever so briefly, since we've talked about The Shining. Let's bring in Dr. Sleep to this. Because we've talked uh, to a degree in Nightmare on Elm Street about Wes Craven being an idea machine, right? He had ideas that were sometimes very outside of his ability and scope to actually wield uh, shocker would be one where that idea is interesting as a sort of nightmare in Elm Street riff, but his ability to shape that into a real movie, I would call into question. I, I, I remember liking it at the time and I've tried to watch it a couple times since I'm like, this is laughably bad. Whereas red eye is akin to a fucking Hitchcock movie. It is a Switch, a Swiss goddamn watch. That is a level of skill that is hard to replicate. And then in the third act, it goes fucking nuts. And you've you're already got me on the edge of my seat. His ability to kind of like flip-flop between does this guy know what he's doing? to oh my god, that guy knows what he's doing is rare and unbelievable. But those ideas before his executions were always intriguing, interesting. Stephen King's kind of the same way in that not everyone can translate them or sometimes he'll have an idea that he reworks and reworks and reworks like greaser bullies, like he's gone back to the well on greaser bullies.
1: Yeah, greaser bullies, uh, uh, you know, dumb cops. Like I said, that's, that's, yeah. that's something, you know, no matter, no matter you know, where his story takes place, the cop's always seen like a bunch of hayseeds.
0: Yeah, quartets um, like uh, groups of people that come together for a singular purpose, and you're like, "Why would these people ever work together?" And it turns out they all have one skill that will help them. Most of them survive, or at least enough of them survive to the end. That's that's a vital Stephen Kingism.
1: Do you do you and, think do you think that uh, Stephen King kind of cribbed his own uh, his own work with Sleepwalkers for certain aspects of Doctor Sleep?
0: Yes. I this you're the person I wanted to talk to about this. Because after seeing them kind of close, it does feel like Sleepwalkers and the uh what are what is the tribe of rose that the,
1: the, the true knot. The true knot.
0: Th- these are similar ideas enough that it feels like it's stuck in the back of its head and goes, you know what? I didn't wind that correctly. What if I changed this and manipulated that? And instead of, you know, random virgin souls, it's, you know, supernatural abilities. Okay. And then there's the, the, this and that. And, but they still consume them. And it, it feels like he's reworking elements of Sleepwalkers into a better narrative. And, of course, because it's long form, he's able to give those characters and that concept a bit more heft and weight to it.
1: And yet, when you when you sometimes with 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 King's work, as we see, he his adaptations tend to be a little better when he doesn't write them himself. Yeah, like I I I liked Doctor Sleep. I I thought it was pretty good. Um, I am very glad that the changes. I, I'm very glad of the changes that Mike Flanagan made in it. I I found that the uh, the twist in the book of spoiler that that Danny and uh, the little girl are related. I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's dumb. I don't I don't like that. Um, you you don't, you don't have <laughs> I, to, we don't like anyone who's related. Yeah, I don't I, I don't li- I really don't like surprise. We're related. I just yeah. I, I I think that's a really really cheap and lazy twist in, in anything and in, in, in you know, horror or fantasy or anything like that. It, it's, you don't have to, the, the fact that that Dick Halloran had the same ability means that this is not something like, Oh, well, you know, everybody that has this is somehow, you know, an ancestor of each other. No, that, you don't have to do that. That's, that's yeah. not necessary. You, you can make them connected because solely because of this ability and, and, you, it worked, it worked perfectly fine, you know, thinking that up until the point that they decided, oh, well, this little girl is, no, it was her mother that was the product of, of the, of the, of a, of a, a fair jacket had with a student. And I'm like, mm, mm, no, I, I don't, you don't, you don't need to do that. And they completely did away with that in the movie and to the improve, the vast improvement of it.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it- it almost, it, the distaste I have it for it is I don't believe Jack was ever charming enough in either the movie form or the book form to seduce anyone outside of his actual It's life. just, it,
1: it felt like a very, it wasn't even that for me. I, it doesn't even, you know, I didn't even question whether that seemed plausible or implausible. It just seemed like such a soap opera twist. That, that, you know, well, now you have to really, and I, and I think it was because, you know, in, in the book, Danny was a little more conflicted about whether or not he wanted to help this kid and, you know, or just kind of, you know, deal with his, you know, his trauma and his pain on his own. And then, well, now you have a reason to because she's your niece. And it's like, no, come on, don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to give someone that much of a compulsion to to help another human being, especially when that human being is a child.
0: Yeah, the best thing about adaptation is taking what works and leaving behind what doesn't for what, what you're adapting the material to. Whether or not you're adapting a television show into a movie or a book into a TV show or whatever it is, you take the elements that can work for the product that you're making and then go, these are nice or maybe I don't care for them but they don't work here and therefore we don't need them. It's the reason the Harry Potter series started to improve from three on because instead of using the books, as you, as you said, well, like Mick Garris with the book open going, okay, this is what happens next. Let's film it. It's people going, well, what would make the best movie? And then they went ahead with that. And that's how I feel like Flanagan is with Stephen King. He he just dials into what's important for you to get across for that film version. Like the book's not going anywhere, baby. Let's make a movie, right? And he's very, very good at that.
1: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I yeah I I think that you know this was something you know that he thought he still had more to say about the idea of. Uh, you're taking someone's energy. I mean, he—that's a running thing in his stories—is—is—is is, is, you know, otherworldly beings that you know, feed on someone. I mean, it's the whole basis of Pennywise. He feeds yeah. on 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 people's fear, the, the 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 energy that comes off them when they're scared of something. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a well that he's dipped from. You know, to various to varying degrees of, of effectiveness for many years now.
0: Yeah, the man in black uses people with the shining to break the beams of the tower in order to bring it down. It's all in hearts. Boy, this has become a Stephen King universe podcast all of a sudden. I find it really interesting. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I could if, go if, off on it for hours. If, if, it has shit to do with sleepwalkers. If, but-
1: well, it, it plays into it. Like, he, I, I don't think he just, you know you know, comes up with these things for the hell of it. I mean, I think to him, they all are some, you know, part of a, a bigger story. It's just not all of it works.
0: Yeah. Some brain, some beams are more broken than others. The sleepwalker beam is particularly broken, especially when the sheriff mentions castle rock like. That- you're in fucking Indiana.
1: Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, it's like we know we know who wrote the movie. You, you we get it. We saw him on screen like 20 minutes you, ago. You don't have to like basically turn the camera and wink ding. <laughs> <Wonk>. <laughs> I, I, I would actually like to to see this as a short story. I, I think it it has you know some interesting points to to it that it could have expounded upon. I would have liked to have seen more of their life like on the road. Mm-hmm. Like one one interesting uh you know if we're gonna continue diving deep into the Kingaverse, uh one of the things I really liked about the book Firestarter, is how basically the first quarter of the book is charlie and her dad just traveling around the country trying to to you escape from the shop and i i found the practicalities of that very interesting the little you know mundane details like how they go and you know break into his grandpa's you know cabin in the woods and and you know how they just kind of manage to maintain some you know level of peace for a little while before the shop shows up i found that all very compelling and, and building up a sense of dread and and it would be interesting to see that from the point of view of the villains. Just basically kind of how they just you know, and and they did this with he did this with Dr. Sleep. You yeah. he, he wrote a lot of it from the perspective uh, of you know, Rose the Hat and her gang and how they they you know they would track down their their prey and how they would go through, you know, how the the you know taking of the life force, how they had in these little like thermoses which i thought was was an interesting touch that they carried over from the book to the movie um i just i find that sort of you know mundane detail interesting and 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 it creates a you know to me a more a more you know rich you know robust setting of place and time instead of just jumping into well you know here's you know blondie mchansom guy kind of you know you come into this small town and you go, up, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah. 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 Uh
0: it, it's but that is the the form of this is what what the function follows. Because it's meant to be a 50, 60s drive-in movie.
1: Yeah, I mean to be fair, those aren't exactly rich in character studies, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> true. True.
1: It's it's a dichotomy, but
0: it does it, it's probably, to me, more than the sum of its parts. Its parts, I feel, are some are interesting, some are broken, you know, some are wildly out of date. It, it's a little weird. But I feel like every time I watch it, I get a little something more out of it. And, all right, we're down to ma- machinamic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she is so fucking good looking in this movie
1: it is and she's a, she's a, she's adorable she's she's very she's very cute i mean everybody is Everybody's a, very attractive uh uh yeah, alice uh, alice creek is as as uh um what's the mother's name
0: uh boy,
1: the mother boy. we'll just call her mom
0: uh yeah she's uh mary brady
1: yes she's probably to horror fans she's probably uh most familiar for a ghost story uh yeah. she 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 was the last person to see craig Wasson before he fell out of a window with his dinghy flying flapping all over the place
0: yeah
1: um but she has this very you know ethereal beauty mm-hmm. um you know the uh uh the actor that plays charles he's okay, (laughs) he's he's unremarkable, just a very generic, uh, uh, you know, blonde teen idol type actor, but yeah, I mean, the women in this are exceedingly attractive.
0: I mean, uh, he at least knows how to make people look good, Um, because, wow, she is, and (laughs) she's like Bugs Bunny in this, like her face can't stop moving. It is the antithesis of what you know you hear a lot of actors like you show up your face doesn't move don't blink like Michael Caine's like down blank uh I don't know why I didn't win an Australian accent all of a sudden I <laughs> I all my accents go Australian it's all mystery science theater 3000s did I mention I'm Australian <laughs> um, I will not be getting into a Michael Caine off with anyone anytime soon but he's, you know, it's, and it has, you have to present a, a, a very, a picture, right? Every frame is a portrait and, but not her. No eyebrows go up and down. She's constantly biting her lip. Her eyes are darting throughout the scene. Like there's a fly in the shot and I am utterly charmed. I don't care. It just feels like she's a human being. Who's been captured on film, not someone who's just presentational. Like there's very Alice Krieg here is doing sort of a classical look, right? She's this regal nether creature from another time and place, and she carries herself with a a continence. Am I saying that right? A countenance. A Countenance. countenance.
1: I thought you were trying to do an English accent.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I'm a stupid person uh, who has to look up words when they write. So, um, but Magic and it just feels real to me. She feels like a, a flesh and blood human being in this. And I am utterly charmed. Part of that, yes, I find her. And at the time, at the time, I was enraptured.
1: Well yeah, this was this was the this was the Twin Peaks. Peaks Twin Peaks years. So yes. she was on that very memorable Rolling Stone cover. It was uh her and Sherilyn Finn and Laura Flynn Boyle and and yeah you know, that was you know, probably one of their you know most iconic covers from the 90s. So yeah, she she it was you know riding mostly on that and playing very
0: beige and very hot.
1: And playing you know she was playing a, a different kind of character than she uh that she was on uh, on Twin Peaks, you know, hear she was just yeah. kind of like the you, you the nice sweet girl, and she pulls it off pretty well. I like I said I, I like her in this. I, I think yeah. that the character is pretty good. You know if 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 Charles is just all over the place, you know he kind of figured out what he was doing with her, which is which is which is probably good. I mean if, if either of the characters had to be badly written, you know better be him than her. Because, you know, she's the one the audience has to be, you know, you know, ride or die with.
0: Yes. Yeah. You, you are naturally, you, you want her to find a way out of this. I don't know whether or not I, any of her parents uh, live.
1: <laughs> her mom does. Her mom, like, like, the, the cop, one of the cops who survives, like, like, picks her up and like, carries her away. And she's like yelling about something. But uh, yeah. I don't know about the dad. I don't know about Ferris Bueller's dad.
0: He really, he, mean, took,
1: he took a face full of glass pretty hard.
0: There, this movie is rich in gouge work.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's got some good. I mean, if you're watching it strictly for, for gore, it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got uh, a pencil to the ear. Um, you've got uh, Ron Perlman's death. It's pretty. It's pretty grody. He he gets yes. he gets his fingers bitten off, and then he gets his arm broken. And then I think he gets stabbed with the broken bone. That was that was that was. Uh, I forgot about that. I was like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> she has an ability to stab people
0: with relatively blunt instruments. Yeah, like that, that she can drive a corn cob into a man's back, his spine no less. Shows that, that she, you are not fucking with with. Uh, but their strength seems to come and go like she
1: can yeah like she can do that but but charles cannot overtake a woman a young a teenage girl who's probably way he he probably outweighed her by a good 25 to 50 pounds and and he can't seem to 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 overcome her because he's too busy making wisecracks
0: (laughs) yeah yeah He's expending his energy on wisecracks and taking damage that apparently actually damages him, which is like, well, why are you laughing off losing your eye? If that's, you know, that amount of blood loss is going to cause you to die. You dumb, dumb suck that soul already. Speaking of stupid people, I would be remiss if we do not discuss for ever so briefly, the recipient of that corn cob in the back, Deputy Rayburn, who is I don't know who this actor is I don't know if we ever saw him again but holy fuck he has a level of dumb that's radiating off of him that is second to none.
1: Yeah, for some reason and again, this is that that weird you know, well, is it funny? Is it scary? Well, we don't know. It changes from scene to scene. Is it? Every single one of the cops on this force, except for for, for Simpson, who is originally Clovis's owner and um, the sheriff are incredibly stupid and, yeah. and like not even like, you know, n- not even just like, you know, mildly forgetful or, you know, a little bit co- comedically bumbling. I mean, you know, you know, busting into a house with your with your, you know, your firearm pulled. And then when, when somebody says, Oh, you were supposed to wait on my sign, it's like, oh, I thought you gave your sign already. Yeah. Just like bumping into each other and and you know, not you know, not ducking in the face in you know in, in the face of danger. They are just complete and utter morons. And and I I don't know, I don't find maybe this is just me. after having seen a a, a lot of movies. I don't find stupid cops funny. I I, I don't think it's a funny trope. I, I don't think, regardless of the 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 genre of the movie they're in, I I don't care for it. I don't think it's funny, and and it's just it's really really pushed past its natural limits in this movie <laughs> because everybody is an idiot.
0: Yeah, Deputy Rayburn mentions that his wife died and that this is the best meal he's had since his wife died. And all I could think of is she must she must be so happy now that she's dead.
1: Yeah, and 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 like at one point after uh after Charles attacks Tanya. He says something like, do her, do her parents know that she's not a victim of a Category 2 sexual assault or something like that? Yes. And, and I mean, why would why would the sheriff assign him to watch over her? That, that, that's the thing. That, I think that's the thing that, that bothers me uh, about this trope so much is the people in charge of these cops must know how stupid they are. So how do they, you know, here, you you go into the building and get the mass marauder you moron who tied your shoelaces together and it, it's just it's such a testing of audience goodwill and 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 plot logic that it really really bothers me and, and it shouldn't i know it shouldn't it's a, it's a dumb thing it's an easy laugh i just i i, I just its i don't care for it yeah yeah I you know i think it would be i think it would have been more effective if you had this you know middle-aged mom in her little granny gown come out of the the house and just lay waste to a bunch of efficient cops instead of you know a bunch of boobs you know falling all over each other.
0: Yeah. It, it would be it would be more interesting if instead of he can't shoot her because he is a dumb fuck, that he can't shoot her because he's like he like he has he's he has a concussion because his head
1: hit the wall or something. It would, I don't know, or that she uses it, like you know, kind of mind control, something, you know? What I mean, glamour magic. Yeah, just don't have her be able to overcome them because they're a bunch of idiots. Yeah, it it, it, it takes away the the dramatic value.
0: It's mistaking uh, something interesting for something compelling.
1: Yeah, I don't, and I don't, I don't, I don't like you know. If you're gonna make your horror movie slapstick, make it slapstick all the way. Don't don't just abruptly turn it slapstick for like the last twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, uh, I feel like we 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 talk about wrestling tones a lot.
1: We do because it, it it you know I I I'm a writer. I I I do write some fiction, and it's important to me that you know you pick a tone and you stay with it, and and it just it it you it bothers me when, you know people you know they they just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks method of writing something
0: yeah i would agree uh any other uh final thoughts on sleepwalkers or stephen king's sleepwalkers
1: i do oh we forgot to mention also that among the other fascinating choices it also has an end theme song by enya
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah that comes out of fucking
1: nowhere. Yeah, which again, I mean, if your if your movie was serious and creepy and and you know, you know, that kind of you know would have stuck the landing with that song because it was you know a kind of an eerie song, um, but instead it was just a, again weird abrupt change. But that being said, I do enjoy this movie. <laughs> and i I I, i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna try to convince anybody that it's a that it's a a hidden gem it's it's very silly and like i said probably of the 147 ideas that stephen king threw threw out for this probably about a quarter of them really work but i like what works i i i like the the you know the mythos of the sleepwalkers because you know and the the, this you know i could go on for another hour of this i i just a, I, I i enjoy anything having to do with 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 vampire mythology so i, I would have liked to have i mean i'll watch anything pretty much anything that has to do with vampires no matter how bad it is i just find it very entertaining um I, I would have liked to have found out more about you know their 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 origins which is why i said i think it would have worked better possibly as a story to kind of learn more about them but you know i like I liked the Baychen Amick. I think she was very charming. I think she was a, a, an effective, I I believed her as a teenager, which is, you know, which as you, as all of, you know, from listening to this is something that, that, you know, we, we, you know, bag on a lot is unconvincing teenagers in movies. I don't know how old she actually was in this probably in her twenties, I guess, but, but she seemed, she seemed pretty convincing, you know, both, both, you know, you know, physically and personality wise. Yeah, I liked what you said about how she wasn't like a a repressed virgin; she was just you know a virgin who was making the choice to to, to be so. And I yeah. and I, I think that was particularly for ninety two. That was kind of a that was still kind of a daring choice, you know. If you I so. if you if you were if you know pop culture still was you know dating at the time that if you were a virgin it's because nobody wanted you. And and you know that wasn't always the case for a, a lot of young women. It was, you know, well no, I just haven't found the right one yet. And and you know, and I think that for a a a boomer writing you know the script, I think that's you know, that's a pretty bold choice on his part. And I admire that.
0: Yeah. It, it's just one of those things where um I almost well I I guess they have to introduce it because in a way they're trying to make the implication that finding a virgin is harder to do um well that's you know yeah. that's that's
1: been a gag in 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 yeah. in in movies for a long time it was a gag in uh, uh Andy warhol's dracula yeah you know, it was a gag in the monster squad and and you know it's it's a little played out but i think this yeah, I don't know that it was it was necessarily that they were implying that it was difficult, just that it was more difficult to, you know, not be noticed that they were yeah. that they were, you know, seeking out burdens.
0: As as, as one does. As one does. <laughs> uh, so that so I, I highly recommend Sleepwalk. I think it is a fun, breezy 90 minute flick that uh comes and goes and gives you a few laughs, uh and some some, you know cool little uh, gore effects and it's a a wonderful uh window into 90s filmmaking i mean name another movie where you get to see 30 cats all running in the same direction i can't imagine how difficult that was to actually carry off. and all those cats are real and the cats who get torn apart are all uh, delightful muppets
1: yeah, I, I, uh, there had to, be I didn't, I didn't, you know, sit around to wait around to see, but there has to be, there had to have been a cat wrangler listed in the, uh, oh, in the credits. It's multiple
0: by the looks of it. That's a lot of fucking cats. And I also love that when they cut away the cat reactions and you'll get three cats who are all looking in the right direction and there's always one or two who are like, I don't fucking care.
1: <laughs> Cause those are cats and that's I mean,
0: what cats I mean, okay. do. that's <laughs> Yeah, we'll tear her apart whenever we get the chance. Meanwhile, there's a paw to be licked. Um, So that just about does it. Uh, Next month will be uh, a listener choice. If you are in the $10 uh, level, uh, one lucky person will get to choose a movie to amaze and confound us uh, for an episode. (laughs) Um, and then in the new year, we will of course, uh, f- uh, we will finish up uh, "Fear No Evil" here in uh, December, and move on to very briefly "New Nightmare," and uh, then uh, I think we're going to cover Cobra.
1: Yes, I, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to to this new uh, this, this this new dive into uh, eighty into eighties the uh, you know, pulp crime films that that makes me extremely giddy
0: yeah i think they kind of crossed the line into our methodology and i it's important to pick the fun ones i think the unfun ones like if we were doing like fallen with denzel washington it'd be a real snooze baby but uh cobra is not a snooze oh no absolutely not uh we have to talk about uh Robot photo shoots I was
1: going to say we're going to spend an entire episode just talking about that
0: Cutting up pizza Ripping people's shirts off So you can see their lavalier mics <laughs> um, That movie is Fucking nutso To the nth degree Um And uh, yeah we'll And then eventually we'll get to Freddy versus Jason And we'll be freed of the curse That was placed <laughs> eventually. upon us by the witch in the forest
1: <laughs> uh, That just
0: <laughs> that does it everybody uh thank you so much for supporting us in this podcast your uh financial and uh, social media support is vital uh to our continued survival and we really do appreciate it uh, i hope this was as fun for you as it was for us until next time for myself and for gina bye everybody
1: bye